0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Good morning. It is Thursday, January 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm excited about today's episode. It's an exit interview of sorts with the two ousted playoff semifinal losers, Clemson and Notre Dame, being represented here by Anna Hickey of Clemson 24-7 and Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated, both part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I, I spoke to both separately on, on different days on the heels of, of big quarterback news. Notre Dame uh, landed Jack Cohn, the Wisconsin grad transfer, a few hours before Tim and I spoke. So we had the full picture there. And then right before Anna and I hopped on on Wednesday morning, star quarterback Trevor Lawrence officially announced his plans to enter the NFL draft. No surprise there, but really allows Clemson fans to turn the page at 2021 and, and see what DJ Uyangaleh has up his sleeve. So we're going to go right into my interview with Anna. It's about 11 minutes, 12 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to talk about reasons for optimism, reasons for pessimism, what she would do if she was Dabo Sweeney or maybe what she really thinks Dabo is honing in on this off season. Could Clemson finally enter the transfer portal. And, and she drops a, a pretty interesting nugget about Eric Gilbert, the, the highest ranked tight end in the history of the recruiting ranking. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk to Anna. Then we're going to take a quick break and, and jump into our conversation with Tim, who thinks Notre Dame is, is absolutely set for a reset year in 2021. We'll see about 2022 and then, and then we'll for sure gear up for a playoff run in 2023 as the roster turns over from experienced and veteran players like Ian book to, to some young guns. And, and, and maybe just, maybe they will be a little bit more talented next time around. All right. Bringing in Anna Hickey right now, uh, finally a few days off after uh, covering a quite the eventful season for Clemson. And uh, as we record right now on Wednesday morning, Trevor Lawrence just announced his intent to to enter the uh, 2021 NFL draft. So no ambiguity there. Anna, I I want to start with with this question. I'm not sure how you're going to go with it, with the answer, but do you think Clemson's season was a success?
2: Yeah, I think in the year 2020, defining success can take on so many different meanings. I mean, just the fact that they had a season at all can be viewed viewed as a success when you look back in August and think that there wasn't going to be one. But I mean, in terms of the expectations that this program has in the postseason, no, it wasn't especially when you consider you have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and you got blown out by Ohio State. And then when you kind of put that into an even bigger picture and consider you got blown out by LSU last year. So it's back to back playoff games where you were not good enough and it wasn't wasn't close. I know LSU 2019 was this generational team, especially with the skill talent. So I think Clemson kind of got a pass there, and understandably so, rightfully so, I think. But this year, getting blown out by Ohio State, it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, I know the wide receivers are terrific. Justin Fields is obviously terrific. But Clemson just got out physical and whipped at the line of scrimmage. And that, to me, was really glaring, along with just their DBs not being good enough. And it wasn't just the safeties, the corners got beat too. Um, So just overall, you know, if you're looking back on 2020, I mean, wow, what a year for Clemson when you consider Trevor Lawrence leading the We Want to Play movement, to the social justice, to Dabo Sweeney seeming like he was in the news every other week for something, overtime loss to Notre Dame, which was one of the best college football games of the season, avenging that, winning an ACC championship, so many highs and lows yeah, I, I mean, I do think there's reason to be optimistic, though.
1: Yeah, so like I've, I'm doing this optimism and 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 uh, pessimism, like reasons for 2021. When you mentioned this, the the offensive line issues and the secondary issues, and as you project that to t- 2021, are you optimistic about those issues getting fixed and allowing Clemson to play with teams that might have more pure talent than the Tigers, or are you pessimistic about in a few months' time that won't really be an issue anymore?
2: I don't think you can just say, oh, an off season is just going to fix all of Clemson's issues. That's kind of silly to think. I do think that the fact that you play, you open the 2021 season against Georgia and Charlotte with DJ and JT Daniels returning, that right alone should, you know, kind of whet the appetites of Clemson fans in the offseason and give them something to look forward to. I mean, that's going to be a huge game to open this season. Um, and there's reason to think that Clemson will contend again next year. I mean, we saw what D.J. was able to do against Notre Dame, brought in a really good recruiting class in 2021. And then their 2020 class was the best class they've ever signed. And those guys, I mean, as, as much as Brian Rose and Miles Murphy and Trenton Simpson, guys like that, contributed this year, I mean, they're, they're still freshmen. So, you know, and they didn't have a normal offseason. So maybe with a more normal, hopefully, knock on wood, offseason this year, there'll be second year players have a year under their belt. You know, they'll take that next step um, and we'll kind of start to see the fruits of those recruiting labors even more in 2021.
1: Yeah. That 2020 class was so good on the offensive line. Um, And I know that's, that's a place where Clemson has to get better likely with the loss of, of Jackson, Carmen. Anna, is it, if I said, okay, I'm putting Clemson and I'd like, I did a piece on this this week. I don't think I would put Clemson one or two, but Anna, if I said, Hey, I'm doing this. What would lend you to say, uh, not so fast?
2: Well, I think first you got to look at what's returning for other teams. And right away, I mean, Alabama is not going to have the same skill talent necessarily. I'm not going to have Mac Jones and then Ohio state's kind of a rebuilding year for them. Right. I mean, yeah. I, Bills is not there. And I think I saw, 2021 Heisman odds and that not that this means anything. I mean, I'm sure Smith Devonta Smith wasn't anywhere close to the top of the odds entering the season, but I don't think out of like 20 players, there was one Ohio state offensive player kind of in the front being in a front runner position for the Heisman. So when you look at the kind of the spectrum of college football, and I know Clemson's obviously going to be without Trevor Lawrence and Travis ET. And so that probably just hearing that alone maybe makes you panic a little bit, but I mean, when, I think when you, Kind of consider what's coming back, what's growing up, and then what's getting to campus. All those things. I mean, I I don't. I would be surprised if Clemson's not right there again. But I think what what's so interesting is that it's not like. I mean, I, I would be shocked if Clemson doesn't make it to the postseason next year. But it's that's for Clemson. They just run the table in the ACC. I mean, this year was a little different because of Notre Dame, but next year we'll go back to normal, where you won't even have Notre Dame again. I don't believe UNC is on the schedule. So how much can you, that's kind of where I'm at right now. How much can you really judge how good Clemson is going into the postseason when, you know, they're not, I mean, next year they'll have Georgia. So that'll be different, but it's just hard right now because they've been running through their ACC schedule and then they get to an LSU like last year or Ohio state this year. And they're just kind of outclassed. And it's just kind of a shock to see a shock to the system. Cause we just haven't seen it during the season.
1: It's um, maybe it's like the, the aesthetics of the Superdome where it's like dark and you just like, feels like twilight mm-hmm. zone but like both of those, both of those blowout playoff losses kind of felt like a, uh, like a WTF element to it where it's like, what, like, what is yeah. happening? Like, did they, did the game start? And, and like Clemson right. took that seven lead and then it was 14 seven, but like you almost felt like by the time the second quarter started, like this thing's over and and you just, yeah. it, even when Clemson was up on LSU, it was just like a, you're just waiting for the damn break but but you do sound you do sound relatively optimistic about about this upcoming season and i I think you know recruiting does really matter and i remember last year when i asked you and i was doing a a podcast with you and shea dixon previewing the lsu clemson game and i i was kind of under the impression like clemson is going to be better in 2020 than they were in 2019 and you're like ah i don't know like they were they have to replace four offensive line starters they're really young on the defense and. You know, in my head, I, I thought to myself, like, well, they got Trevor Lawrence. I didn't think they'd have Travis Etienne, but like that they, they've got such such a good recruiting class coming in. But as it turns out, like those guys are young, and they probably need a true offseason. If you're Davo Sweeney, what is priority number one? Spring ball this off season. Trevor Lawrence is gone. I know he hasn't big a big been a big transfer portal guy, but I think there's places where they could go there. Like maybe Justin Ross comes back fans on your message board and we're calling for like staff changes. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but what do you think Dabo's honing in on right now?
2: Man, I think right now Dabo's just like what a year that was. I mean, from start to finish, you think about where they started last year in January, 2020, losing to LSU and then everything that happened in between. And then now, and then concluding it on new year's Eve. Well, I guess January 1st, but still in a loss to Ohio state. I think right now he's just, maybe taking a deep breath and, and pushing some of that away and he'll revisit it when he's a little bit fresher. But yeah, I, I do think uh, for first, you got to figure out what pieces are coming back. He mentioned Justin Ross I mean that alone would be a huge boost, um, especially if Frank Ladson's healthy, Joseph and God is healthy. I mean, those are three uber talented, highly recruited players. Even if Ladson and God aren't as proven, that can immediately help your wide receiver core immediately help ease the loss of Trevor and Travis. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, there's three guys I'm kind of looking at. Nolan Turner could tap into that sixth year. Jamie Skowski could tap into that sixth year. And those are huge pieces for Clemson. I mean, they're like, sounds cliche, but Nolan's kind of the QB of the uh, secondary and same for Jamie with the linebackers. And part of that is because the surrounding pieces around them were a little bit younger last year, but still, I mean, what they bring to the table... I mean, that would be huge. Those would be five-star recruiting wins for Clemson going into 2021. And then Xavier Thomas, too, a guy that was mm-hmm. supposed to shirt this season. And then once NCAA granted eligi- next year of eligibility, Clemson, you know, kind of took that tag off and can play in more than four games. And just kind of a weird season for him. Won't get into all those details. But bottom line, he didn't play an ACC championship because he was just unavailable. Same deal against Ohio State. And it wasn't because he had COVID and it wasn't for an injury. So just kind of some weird things going on there, not, not really knowing the full story. If he goes to the NFL draft in April, I doubt he, I mean, if he's drafted, it'll be in the late rounds and the team's just kind of drafting him based on his freshman year and his his pure talent. And he hasn't done anything the past two years to make you think he's an early round draft pick. Um, So, I mean, I think he could definitely benefit from like a full year of being healthy and focused in 2021. And then from there, I think once you've kind of figured out who's returning, who's leaving, you gotta look at the offensive line and then I know that's Dabo doesn't like to, you know, hear the criticism of the offensive line. He kind of did admit that they did not play well against Notre Dame the first game. I mean, how could you not? I mean, you don't have to know football that well to kind of see that, but I don't know whether it's, I I don't, I'm not inclined to necessarily believe it's coaching or development. I think it's more of the rotation and Mm -hmm. kind of how they've recruited, just not landing the right guys at the right position in the right cycle. So they were just—they're too deep. This year it was so incredibly young that they couldn't rotate. Walker Parks was really the only sixth man, and he was still a true freshman. And so by the end of the year, I mean these guys are just playing 80 snaps a game, um, and they're just—they're dead and they're worn out. And compounded by the fact that the interior line isn't uber talented even when they are fresh. And it it just kind of was a a recipe for disaster um, at the end of the year. So just kind of, I think Dabo needs to figure out that he can't have a repeat of that. And I know, you know, recruiting classes aren't going to, especially along the offensive line where it takes longer for players to develop. That's not going to change things overnight. But someone like Tristan Lee, a five-star tackle, maybe he can come in and help. Walker Parks will be a sophomore. That'll be a huge boost. And then, like I said, that, that freshman class, there's five or six of them, you know, they'll have grown up some. So there is optimism that the offensive line will be better in 2020, but at the same time that, that bar is pretty low.
1: So you're, it's more of staying the course and, and trusting your process and not so much of, you know, go, go to the transfer portal and find blah, blah, blah. and Yeah. And, you know, uh, up.
2: Yeah. yeah. Not an offensive line. Now the insurance transfer portal is interesting because I do think that's a spot where the modern times might force we Sweeney to rethink his policy on that. he's always come out and said that, you know, never say never, maybe something will prompt, well, things will change, especially with the new transfer rules, you know, that's where I'll have to go to the portal, but he's not going to go to the portal just to go to the portal. Like for example, Eric Gilbert Hmm. um, expressed interest in Clemson. I don't know like how, you know, much interest that was, or was just kind of floating his name out, testing the waters, but Clemson didn't really crack that door open, which I mean, Wow, <laughs> That to me kind of blows my mind, but I mean, that's just that's just what Dabo, kind of how he operates. And like I said, I don't know how serious Eric was about it, but I do know that there was some interest, some sort of interest on his side. So, and he was interested in Clemson during the recruiting process. So just things like that going forward, Dabo real, kind of does some self-reflection and kind of, I, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's wrong that he doesn't go to the portal because obviously what he's doing has been, has, has worked for so long, but I do think it would be wise for him to kind of at least consider it, at least explore the option a little bit more and say, Hey, like, is it really worth just clinging to this mantra of not going to the portal? And would it really just, would it mess up the, the culture of the team? And if you look at Justin Fields, he transferred, uh, I don't think that messed up the culture of Ohio state. So, I mean, I get Davos tenets for why he doesn't go to the portal, but at the same time, I think it's worth kind of uh, reexamining that in 2021. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, if the, the, the Eric Gilbert stuff's fascinating, fascinating, the, the highest ranked tight end in the recruiting history, and then you ended excellent point, Justin Fields and the running back Trey sermon was a transfer from Oklahoma too. And right. last year, you know, Clemson, uh, LSU had, had Joe Burrow as a transfer as well. So they don't need a quarterback, but maybe they need help in a few other spots. And it's going to be a, a fascinating off season. I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah.
0: Thanks Jay, for having me.
1: The college football daily. will be right back. Thanks again to Anna for joining us. She does great work all by herself on the Clemson website. It is at AnnaH247 to follow her on Twitter. Now we're going to jump in to Tim O'Malley. Uh, Tim is the Notre Dame reporter for Irish Illustrated. You could follow him on Twitter at Tim O'Malley. ND, let's hear what he has to say. All right, we've got Tim O'Malley right now. Jordan, that's Tim. Notre Dame, last impression we have of them from this wild and weird season. 31-14 to loss to Alabama in the Rose Bowl. And, it gives the fighting Irish a, a 10 and two record. I got to ask. And, and we talked before the season started, we we spoke when, when the uh, ACC had wrapped Notre Dame up into its, its, uh, its scheduling plans. When we were dubious that a season might, might even happen. I'm assuming you're classifying Notre Dame season as a success.
3: Yes, for sure. Um, I think beating Clemson and going 10 and zero was something they needed to do in that regular season. Now had Trevor Lawrence played, I might be uh, revisiting that, but when, we, when I finally kind of laid out the season and tried to make a prediction, I said if Notre Dame could go 10-0, and 0, they will probably still go 10-2 and 2 because that means you have to play Clemson in the ACC championship game rematch, which is just a tall task no matter what, and a playoff game after a loss to Clemson, which means you're the fourth seed against someone like Alabama or Clemson had Clemson been that good. So it's not that huge of a surprise they lost their last two games. Look, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are better than Notre Dame. You could argue anybody else, and a Notre Dame fan has an argument. Notre Dame is the fourth best team in the country. You know, Oklahoma looked good late. They didn't look good early. There's a reason you have to play a whole season in college football. Texas A&M was peaking late as well. They also lot murdered by Alabama. I mean, there's, by any reasonable measure, it was, a, it was a very good season for Notre Dame a success. And I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, you can ardently argue as the fourth best team of the country, which brings you to the fact that number four is light years away from number three right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what are your thoughts on the, the fact that every time Notre Dame loses a big game, which is, I it's a, the narrative pops up that they they they're never going to belong with the big dogs and yada yada. I, I think it's kind of unfair. They they did beat number one team, uh, this year in November right. in, in a great football game. I, I feel like a lot of people just glossed over that fact, uh, the last few weeks. But the standard we're holding Notre Dame to is kind of different than the standard we're holding, I don't know, like Texas AM or Oklahoma or or whoever, like for almost every single college football team out there. Being in Notre Dame shoes would just be this fantastic accomplishment every single season. And yet we keep, you know, kind of hitting on, on uh, Brian Kelly for not having developed this program into an Alabama or, or a Clemson or an Ohio state when we're not even sure if that's possible anymore.
3: Right. And I I don't think it is right now. Like, you know, the, the, if you just sit down and look at the four quarterbacks in the playoffs this year and the four quarterbacks in the playoffs, when Notre Dame went two seasons ago, now think about that. Notre Dame has been in the playoffs two of the last three years. The quarterbacks have been, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, who's you know probably going to be the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Fields, and Ian Book twice. Hmm. Now, Ian Book is one of the best success stories you can find in recruiting. Number 527 recruit three-star that ends up starting three years and is probably a two-time team MVP at Notre Dame, but he is not those guys. And that's where it starts is getting the next Trevor Lawrence, if that player, if that might be too high, getting the next – Justin Fields or Kyler Murray, getting the next Devonta Smith. Although, you know, even with Devonta Smith, how many guys that good are playing college football as seniors still? It's, it, it's remarkable what Alabama clubs and Ohio State have built in terms of their five-star talents, because I think Notre Dame is there on the lines, and that's been mm-hmm. Brian Kelly was really harping on offensive and defensive line that we have shut down the gap or just as physical as they are. But Notre Dame was a full Devonta Smith, Justin Fields, and probably a Travis Etienne away, as much as we all like Kyron Williams, from competing in that game. It's just, it's a different world with how many touchdowns you need to score in a playoff game to win these days. It's not one, two, or three. It's six, seven, or eight, usually. And I think you're going to see that in the championship game. I mean, LSU could go score eight touchdowns anytime they wanted to last year, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's a different world offensively. And it's hard for Notre Dame to get to that level. But the most important thing is it's there on the lines, because if it's not on the lines, it doesn't matter what kind of skill positions you have. You couldn't compete with Alabama if your lines weren't there.
1: Yeah, you got to get more explosive on the outside. <clears throat> so the 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 success in building up the trenches, Notre Dame's not getting physically manhandled. This is in 2012. That's a, that's a reason for optimism. Ian Book departs. Uh, Notre Dame enters a new quarterback world. I'm curious on, on what you think about the fighting Irish landing, Jack Cohn, the Wisconsin transfer. I, I think this is a good move in a way I think it's it stabilizes 2021 when there maybe weren't any other great options but at the same time I'm, I'm a little bit concerned if it's taking away valuable reps from a guy like Ty- Tyler Buckner you mentioned the quarterback play has to improve to get to a more dynamic level to win a playoff game I feel like if anyone on the roster Buckner high recruiting pedigree could do that I'm pretty sure Jack Cohn can't but at the same time, he raises the floor. So so do you put quarterback room in, in optimism or pessimism for 2021?
3: You absolutely had to get a graduate transfer, and I like Jack Cohn. I'm not sure what the market is out there, but I don't know if you need to get a graduate transfer on January 5th. So I, you know, Jack Cohn will end up being a solid player for Notre Dame, I believe. And you said raises the floor. That's important because 2021 is a transition year. Notre Dame does not play Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama or anybody of that level in 2021 now they play wisconsin which could be fun of course oh jack yeah Cohn. they play wisconsin and usc virginia virginia tech but this is this is the schedule that notre dame with this past team in 2010 or 2020 would have rolled through to 12-0 so jack Cohn's gonna help because he probably ensures you don't have that giant fall from grace where you lose ian book you lose four offensive linemen you lose important defensive players the buckus winner and jeremiah usu koromoa You had to have one because let's remember something about Tyler Buckner, and I'd love to see him come in and start, and I've been saying it for a while, right up until he lost his senior season. He needed to play a senior year of football to go in and beat Florida State in the season opener in Tallahassee on Labor Day night, right? Let's just be realistic. Unless he is the next Trevor Lawrence, that is a tall task. So having Jack Cohn on the team is great. I think the best thing that could happen, apologies to Jack Cohn and everybody else that are fans of Jack Cohn, is if Jack Cohn is the starting quarterback and Tyler Buckner becomes so good during the year, he takes over. That's what happened at a much higher level, Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant in 2018. Now, Clemson was a much better team than Notre Dame. They knew they were going to the championship. If they if they knew they were going to the championship, regardless, they needed Trevor Lawrence to beat Alabama. And that was a great move by Dabo Sweeney. Notre Dame's not operating at that mm-hmm. level in 2021. But Cone could get them... Settled in, and then obviously, if he's the best player, still he'll keep the job. But you got to hope as a Notre Dame fan, you hear Tyler Buckner's pushing him in practice, or Tyler Buckner's definitely ready to roll in 2022. Because you made a great point, Jack Cohn on Notre Dame instead of Ian Book wasn't beating Alabama either.
1: I got to say, you got me jacked up when you're talking about the, the the Notre Dame's return to normal, normalcy for its schedule. Florida State, Labor Day night, like Wisconsin, the Virginia Tech. I mean, I guess that's you know, ACC, whatever, but USC, like that. That kind of felt like a breath of fresh air after this uh, after this weird uh, weird ACC schedule for Notre Dame. If you're Brian Kelly, and I'll, I'll leave you with this, and it sounds like they, they got to replace some, uh, a lot of offensive linemen. they got to replace some defensive stars. Got to get more explosive on the outside as well. If you're Brian Kelly, Tim, what is priority number one moving forward now that you have your quarterback secured?
3: Yeah, you had to have the, that graduate transfer quarterback. I think a graduate transfer corner, just like they brought in Nick McLeod this year, And a graduate transfer safety because Kyle Hamilton comes back, but they lose Sean Crawford, who was a corner anyway. Sean Crawford is a 5'9 corner in his sixth year that lost three and a half seasons to catastrophic injuries, and he still beat out all the backup safeties that are actually safeties. That tells you what they had at safety. And one of those guys, Houston Griffith, decided to transfer yesterday. Notre Dame needs a starting safety fifth-year senior to come in and play by Kyle Hamilton, just a smart quality safety that can play high level power five football because Hamilton's an all-american next year and they need another corner I believe they have good young corners they have a great corner recruiting class coming in but you want to give them a half a year you don't have to give them a year you have to give them a half a year though to settle in you know you don't want to go out there with Philip Riley making his first start at Florida State or against Wisconsin you want to settle in they'll have Clarence Lewis who's a true freshman this past year a three-star and he surprised everybody ended up starting by midseason. But I don't think he would have been ready at the beginning. So you really need two guys in the secondary. And I think everybody in America watched that secondary. That was the biggest difference between Notre Dame and Alabama was the secondary speed. They could not run with Alabama. And I'm sure Clark Lee was trying to plug holes in that dam the entire week yeah. and it just didn't work out. You know, you can't go out there and grab a great graduate transfer wide receiver. That isn't really how it works because they go pro. But I I think you can find really good, solid corners and safeties, and bring them in to shore up the back end of that defense. Have the defense be the best part of your team again. The offense can come along because Notre Dame can win plenty of games that does not include a playoff game, just with the way they play defense and run the ball.
1: I lied. I have one more question for you, and this will be more broad. Brian Kelly's three wins away from from uh, Newt Rockney's all time Notre Dame record. He's been there forever now. He's always it seems like to be mentioned in in the mix for other jobs after saving off the hot seat and in 2016, I believe. Yeah. What is his What is his current relationship like with, with Notre Dame fans What is, and vice versa? And how does everyone feel about each other right now?
3: You know, it's unfortunate that he is judged so much by getting blitzed by Alabama and Clemson and previously getting blitzed. Notre Dame's next coach is not going to be as successful as Brian Kelly. That's kind of what I want to tell everybody, unless they hit some crazy lightning in a bottle, which Notre Dame has not done with a hire since Lou Holtz, really. I mean, it took Brian Kelly a lot of time to build this up. You might not love the Brian Kelly you get in a press conference or the Brian Kelly that prepares a team to play Alabama, but Notre Dame won 10, 12, 11 and 10 in these last 4 years. And 10 sounds 10 was this year, 10 was 10 and 2. Like hmm. it's probably better put it this way. They lost 3 1 2 and 2. You're a Notre Dame fan, you get to lose 3 1 2 and 2 in a 4-year span. It used to be 5 5 1 and 6. So, I think Brian Kelly has the program on extremely solid footing. It is not a wonderful relationship with the vocal minority of Notre Dame fans because they want Urban Meyer and they want Nick Saban and they want to have Devontae Smith running up and down the field for them. That's not realistic right now. Uh, Brian Kelly is the coach, I think, through his contract in 2024. Uh, Regardless of any extension, I'm sure he would look at moving along or moving on with his life maybe in 2024. But I think this is Brian Kelly 4.0 coming up now. The next three seasons, it's about a three-year run. The best class on campus is the incoming freshman. Look for Notre Dame to not be in the playoffs until 2023, but for this 2023 season, so they'll be juniors, a great offensive line, and some receivers, and Tyler Buckner, that's the return season to the playoffs. You could say 2022 if you're optimistic, but you start the season at Ohio State and play Clemson, so if you pull that off, then Brian Kelly needs (laughs) – then they got to consider statues if he's going through Ohio State and Clemson getting uh, getting to the playoffs in 2022 with a sophomore-laden team.
1: A hundred percent. Well said. I I love mapping out teams uh, and their title windows. Tim O'Malley. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks again to Tim for joining us. Thanks again to Anna. Uh, My name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. We'll get you out of here. We'll talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the college football daily.
0: Okay.